virtual environment with Digital Nomad Coach and admin of the awesome Facebook group, Digital Nomad Accelerator. In this episode, we talked about the essentials you need to know when you want to become or are a digital nomad, what you need to have to become an entrepreneur, how he grew his Facebook group so fast, and how you can find your niche and your business. So you will learn a lot about how to become a digital nomad and find the freedom that you want. Let me know what lesson you've learned from this week's episode and enjoy the podcast. Hey Mitchell, welcome on the podcast, man. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited. I'm excited to talk about one of the things I'm also very passionate about, freedom, traveling, discovering new perspectives. Now, we're going to talk uh, about being a digital nomad and digital nomadism. When did you first became interested in being a digital nomad? Um, to be honest, it was probably when I was 18 years old and I was doing an exchange in Hong Kong. It was the first time when I was living by myself abroad, um, very much out of my comfort zone in Hong Kong. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any friends. And prior to, to going there, I think I cried in the airplane, like, oh my gosh, is it really going to happen? And um, when, I, when I arrived there, um, I fell in love. I fell in love with the idea of immersing myself in, in, a, in a different culture, a different country, and, and building it from the ground up, experiencing things, meeting new friends, meeting the locals, learning about a new language. And I picked up pretty fast. Within no time, I had a lot of friends in Hong Kong. I learned so much about everything over there. And, and I became very much addicted to this feeling of exploring, exploring new countries, cultures. And that is when I, I almost set myself the goal that I want to do this for the rest of my life. What were you doing in Hong Kong? It was an exchange program. So I was studying uh, business at the time and it was half a year um, studying at a, at a university in Hong Kong. What made you do the, the, take the decision to do an exchange program? Was it your parents that motivated you? Like, hey, you should go abroad or? So yeah, I've always, I've always my family travels quite a lot and we've always taken trips to, to Asia, to the US, to anywhere in the world. Um, so I was ad adventurous. I love to travel, but I never really traveled by myself. I, it was still always very much in my, in my comfort zone, right? With your parents, they take care of everything. They book your flight. They, 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 you, you barely have to think about anything. They take care of everything. And this was the first time where it changed. I had to, to do all of these things by myself. There was no dad that had like a travel schedule for me planned out. Today you're going to this excursion, wake up at this time. It was all figuring out by myself, making new friends um, and exploring and understanding everything by myself. So, yeah. How, do you feel, uh, how did you feel in the beginning when you landed in the new country in the first weeks? I was nervous, man. I was very nervous. I was... Um, thinking by myself, am I going to be able to, to make new friends? Are the people here going to understand me even though it's, you know, there's quite a, a language barrier? Am I, am I going to be able to make this work? Um, am, I, am I going to be homesick after a while? Um, all of those things, like there were a lot of doubts, but in reality, it wasn't that bad at all. It was like very enjoyable, the fact that there was just something completely new like I grew up in Amsterdam and Amsterdam is pretty stable, steady. 
um, there's not so much change or disruption going on. And there it was disruption in my life. I went from Amsterdam to, to, to Hong Kong, a very hectic Asian city. And I loved it. I loved it. It was like the, the pattern interrupting my life that re-sparked my motivation, my desire to, to do bigger things in life. And that was exactly what I needed at that point in my life. What was something new that you discovered about yourself? Um, let me see. Something new that I discovered about myself is that I absolutely, absolutely hate um, being stuck in routines. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely hate being stuck in routines. I noticed that if I'm in one location for too much, I get stuck in routine. I, For example, here in Barcelona, I'm almost getting to this point where every morning I go to the same bakery and it's like, hey guys, I want to have the usual uh, three croissants and, and I want to have my cappuccino and they all know it already. Then I go to the office and I, I, I hate getting stuck in routines. It makes me kind of depressed after a while. Not enough so, uh, stimulation? Not enough, yeah, not enough stimulation, not enough pattern interrupts. I feel like I'm living on autopilot, whereas moving to Hong Kong made me realize that I need to have these random experiences. I need to move out of my comfort zone. I need to get these disruptions in my life to re-spark my energy, to re-spark my motivation, to re-spark my drive. And that was the biggest thing that I realized then. And I'm not continuing doing this um, in my life. But there has been a period in my life where that has not been the case. But I guess we'll come back to that later. Yeah, you like to thrive in chaos? I thrive in chaos, absolutely. I thrive in chaos. It's not, again, stability is, is not for me. I don't want to stipulate my life and see, okay, in 10 years I'll be doing exactly this. I'll be doing, I'll be hanging out with exactly the same people in the same bars, in the same locations doing the same things uh, you're kind of like a rebel right i resonate with a lot of rebels because it takes people on the rest of me because sometimes when you're a rebel people say like he's a rebel he can take care of so many things and oftentimes we do but it still takes a lot of effort and willpower to persevere i also had a lot of failures you know that i tried out you know and people say like oh he keeps going but how did you keep going in in that depression and in those failures i mean you were setting up your business because it's not so easy to get through it than people think so yeah how did i get how did i get through it um i i so in, in silicon valley where i was working i was working in the corporate life in the corporate life people did not understand or didn't weren't interested in entrepreneurship they were just interested in in their nine to five jobs and their routine and they really enjoyed their routines mm -hmm. so i couldn't go I couldn't approach them to ask them for support. Like, hey, I'm thinking about this idea and no one was supporting me there. But I knew at any point in my life, every, every time that I've just pushed through, whether it's in education, whether it's in sports, I was able to reach the results, become really good at something and achieve success. So I knew that I should, if I set a goal for myself, the moment when you're thinking about giving up is the moment that you are almost there, that you're almost going to achieve success. And that is when, that is the hardest time, but you need to push through. And you need to keep pushing yourself. You need to keep reminding yourself of the goal every day. What is your goal? Why are you doing this? 
it's because I want to travel the world. It's because I want to break out of this system. It's because I want to do the things that I enjoy doing in life. And that is why I'm kind of inflicting emotional pain upon myself, but it's for a better uh, goal. And, and I rather put in, you know, the work now than being mm -hmm. regretful later in life. So it's one of the things what a lot of people say that it's it's better to do something that at least it's not for you and you don't regret later that you didn't do it then 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 don't do it. I have the same thing that um I have my emotional highs and lows as any entrepreneur I think like what am I doing? You know, this is not working out and then either I have to push through or give myself a little time and then I get momentum again. But it's it's a journey ups and downs, ups and downs and then having that big goal and keep on pushing, man. Yep. Yeah, people need to understand that um, entrepreneurship is it's often romanticized where you only see like the, the Mark Zuckerbergs and the big successes, billionaires, millionaires. Um, but yeah, what a lot of people don't really um, see or understand is, is the amount of work and emotional, um, yeah, the, the emotions and the energy that have gotten into this building this business before people get successful and and um, i always try to remind people of that you need to push through you need to work hard i did not get to this point overnight neither did mark Zuckerberg. we all put in a lot of work and and if you put in the work if you keep persisting if you're consistent and and even in those lows keep pushing through then you're going to get there it's a matter of time it's 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 going to work out yeah, it's almost like double with you. You don't like a routine when it's always the same, but the meta perspective of the willpower and the perseverance and hard work, that routine, that one is there. Like not instant gratification, but delaying gratification and really pushing through. What are some people and what are some characteristics you think suit people to be an entrepreneur? And what are some characteristics that make it really hard for people to be a digital nomad or an entrepreneur? Okay, so... Um... First, what are characteristics that make people a good entrepreneur? Uh, so very important. Well, what you just mentioned is, I, I absolutely agree with that. You, you said that there's um, different kind of people that have different perspectives on, 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 on life. You've got people that are kind of looking towards the past, like oh, this happened in my life and this wasn't good and they're always complaining. You've got people that are, very much living in the present and are just enjoying life right now as it is and if someone asks them go let's go for a drink then they're all going for a drink and they're all for the random experiences and just enjoying life in the present moment mm -hmm. and then you've got people that are very much forward looking they've they they think about the fact that they're building something that is is going to be successful in the future constantly reminding themselves that they're doing this um, because they're building something great in the future or it's going to give them a big return in the future or it's going to give them a great success in the future. Um, and I think that this is a fundamental mindset of successful entrepreneurs because when you are an entrepreneur, trust me, people ask me all the time, like, yo, Mitchell, are you coming for a drink tonight? Or uh, let's go today, let's take today off, let's go to the beach. There's going to be days where you need to say no, 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 because I'm building my business. No, because, you know, I need to put in a, a few more hours. Um, you need to be able to make sacrifices 
in the present time in order to build something in the future. Um, so I think that mentality, although it's very hard, sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult when you're seeing that your friends are out there uh, going to parties, festivals, and you're inside sitting in the co-working space or the library, building your business, making your funnel, coding your program or whatever. Um, but again, then when it pays off, when you're actually four months down the line and you see that your work, your extra work, those evenings that you told your friends, no, sorry, it's not going to work out tonight. I need to work on this. When you see that it's finally going to pay off, that's like so such a great feeling. And that becomes addictive after a while. Like, you know that you need to say no to certain things. You need to think about the future. And then once you start seeing these results, wow, that's, that's such a good feeling. Yeah, it's like it's a cumulative aspect of all those saying no, saving those hours, saving that money, not going out. And then when people see the success, it's like, how does this happen? Well, yeah. remember every time I said no, remember any time I didn't go out and I saved money? Well, if you have that cumulative aspect of it all the time, you know, then you really think long term and then it's a good investment, you know? Yep, absolutely agree. Um, what are some things um, that digital nomads should pack in their bag when they go traveling? Good question. Uh, a lot of people ask that and I always tell them to start living the minimalist lifestyle. And with minimalist, I mean, okay, actually, let me give my example. When I went to Hong Kong mm -hmm. uh, when I was 18, mm -hmm. believe it or not, I took two suitcases. I booked <laughs> an additional suitcase and I brought three suits. I brought five jackets. I brought 10 pair of shoes, five pair of jeans. Uh, in, in, in reality, I was only wearing literally 20% of, of all those things. Um, and I'm still, I'm still trying to cut down, still trying to figure out what I actually need. And right now it's becoming clearer. I just need like two black shirts, two white shirts, two gray shirts, one nice shirt, uh, one pair of one black pants, one jeans, uh, two pair of shoes. Like you really cut it down to only the essentials that you're wearing and forget about the bullshit stuff that you're not really wearing at all. Because you, if you're traveling, if, you, if you're a digital nomad, you want to be flexible and you're not flexible when you're having two suitcases, a trolley, a backpack, uh, you want to travel light and you need to be able to adjust easily, pack your stuff quickly, uh, go to the next destination, easily carry it around. If you want to go to another hotel or hostel or location, you can quickly just drag it along and there's not a lot of baggage that you need to carry around with you. And in addition to that, of course, you need to have your laptop, your iPhone, probably maybe a battery, one of those external batteries that you can plug into your phone. Um, probably an adapter for different kind of sockets around the world. Yeah, and a camera if you're into photography. I think those are the, the main things that, that you need to bring with you if you're a digital nomad. Don't take two huge pieces of luggage. Yeah, you have to carry it all the time and I also take way too much and then you get possessed by your possessions. Mm -hmm. all the time you know like you have to check your pockets and you have this and you have this and did i take this you know and it's 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 a lot of stress when when you just want to chill and travel lightly uh, what is one of the first things that you that you check when you arrive at a new place as a digital nomad 
Yeah, yeah. So as a digital nomad, one of the first things that I do is I go to a meetup, a co-working space, a hostel or a bar, because those are perfect locations to make new friends. And it's just great. One of the, the main things or one of the main difficulties when you're a digital nomad is the fact that you need to make friendships every place that you're going and you need to build your friendships from the ground up. So bars, uh, meetups, co-working spaces and hostels are great locations to, to make new friends and especially friends that have a similar mindset um, of, of enjoying life, of traveling, of being a digital nomad. And yeah, those are great starting points to connect and to get ideas of what you should be doing in the city. Any sites you use for it or any tools you use for it? No, I often go for referrals of friends. I, I have a Facebook community where if I post a question about co-working spaces, uh, people are very eager to, to give recommendations because right now I'm at a co-working space in Spain. I had such a great experience. I would be more than likely to recommend it to anyone that's coming here in Barcelona. And people that have similar experiences at other co-working spaces think the same. So for recommendations, I use Facebook groups and just ask them, hey, I'm here, any recommendations for, for a co-working space? And they just do it. And uh, earlier you told like, yeah, I'm in Barcelona right now and I, I, I've seen a lot of things here and I'm getting a bit bored. Is that how you move to a new place? Like, okay, time for a new place or do you have kind of system or when do you nope. decide to move to, move to a new place? Um, actually, I do country hopping every three months. So um, right now I'm in Spain for three months. This is my last month here. And then I'm going to Thailand for three months and I'm going to Colombia for three months and Japan for three months. But in between, I do mini trips. So next week, I'm going to Italy. Two weeks ago, I was in Portugal. The week before that, I was in uh, the UK. So I do, even though I'm, I'm based in a country for three months, I still do mini trips to the surrounding countries. So when I told you that I got bored in, in, in Barcelona or I'm getting to the point where I'm stuck in my routines, I do a pattern interrupt in my life and I go, take a quick trip somewhere else and, and get myself out of this routine so that when I come back in one week, I'm starting fresh and, and I'm aware that I try to do new things or, or try to build up new routines, new patterns when I come back here in Barcelona. From bored to being boarded. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the biggest misconceptions people have about being a digital nomad? Um, that, it's, that it's lonely. Um, honestly, there is such a huge digital nomad community all around the world. In, in, in every major city, you've got digital nomads that are hanging out in the coffee shops and the co-working spaces. It's easy to make new friends. It's easy to connect with like-minded people. You don't have to be lonely. Um, and yeah, just go out there. Be open to, to meeting new people. Be open to new experiences. And if you're that, if you are open to that, then you're not going to be lonely at all. One of the things that I always wonder is, isn't it difficult to have a relationship when you're a digital nomad? If you're two digital nomads and you travel to the same place, I can imagine it works, but I deem it is difficult to have a relationship, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, actually funny story. Well, funny story. I don't know how funny it is, but um, yeah, I, I used to, to have a girlfriend was it two years ago and 
I used to live in London. She used to live in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I told her, if I graduate, I want to travel the world with you. And um, I want to go to whatever, 20 countries in, in one year and travel the world together with you. And she freaked out. She was like, no, no, that's, that's not for me. Uh, I just want to, you know, live my nice, steady life here in the south of Netherlands and be with my family and, and the friends that I know, that I've, that I've known for all of my life. And, and I'm not up for that. So, again, this comes back to the beginning of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Being a digital nomad is not for everyone. It, 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 it is for these people like me that are bored, that want to have, they want, don't want to get stuck in routines, that don't want stability, that don't want predictability. If you're one of those people that really likes stability, that really likes predictability, and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you might think it's fun to go on a vacation for two weeks, but then go back to your regular, your, your natural habitat where you're surrounded by, you know, the people that, 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 are similar to you in that sense yeah there are more digital nomads now but i had the same thing with some people who they want to travel and just lie at the beach and i just want to run around and have an adventure and then i became an entrepreneur and it's like yeah it's weekend then we don't do anything it's like weekend there is no such thing as a weekend for me you know it's just a week where i divide my hours and then when you're a digital nomad you're like, yeah let's go out uh, honey i'm in thailand right now <laughs> it becomes increasingly difficult to have a match of lifestyle you know yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Um, yeah, like you said, well, if you're a digital nomad, for me, I also, I also work on weekends. Uh, it's not that I work my whole Saturday, my whole Sunday, and I don't really work my whole Monday, Tuesday. It's really whenever I need to do work, I put in a few hours of work, and then I try to get the right balance between um, playtime and work time. Uh, for me, that's super important. I realize that when I put in 12 hours a day, I don't really work that much. I just stare at my screen. So I time block um, the hours in my agenda and I really stick to, to those hours and, and I make it work. Somehow there's something magical about setting deadlines for yourself that, that you just make it work. If you allocate four hours, you do it in four hours. If you, do it in tr if you allocate three hours, you'll do it in three hours. So I block it in my agenda, make sure that I stick to those times and then enjoy the city that I am in. I go go to the beach or explore whatever cultural thing that there is around. Yeah, you have this, uh, you have this painter, Edward Hopper, who always uh, painted people in like pass-through places. And I, I call myself also like sometimes a Hopper-esque artist. When I'm in a new place, I'm inspired. I, I'm, I'm stimulated. It's like I'm most creative when I'm like at a new place. Sometimes I work best at a new place or in an airport or in a plane because I'm already excited to go to a new place. Well, a lot of people just chill then. But for me, there's something, the, the feeling of being on the way is for me, one of the most magical feelings ever. Just walking in a street I've never been before. I'm super happy just doing that. I can absolutely relate to that. I can absolutely, the feeling of exploring new things is just so exciting and inspiring for me. And we live in a major age that we can do it now. Imagine us living in the Middle Ages when it took like super long to get there and it cost a lot of money. Now you have these super cheap flights. So there's a lot of possibilities right now. Yeah, dude, I just booked a ticket to Italy um, from Barcelona and I paid 19 euros, 19 euros. My lunch over here costed 
13 euros. Imagine, like for for a little bit more than my lunch, I can get a flight to Italy. It's crazy. I booked, I'm, I'm, I moved to Hungary at the end of the year and I booked like two months in advance my flight from Belgium to Hungary. Like the single flights was 10 euros. 10 euros. Yeah. <laughs> Ryanair. With air. With air. Wow. That's crazy. I don't know how they do it. Now, you talked about time blocking, etc. I think productivity is also important when you're like uh, in a new place. You got to make the best of the time that, that you can work and that you're not traveling and installing yourself. What are some productivity tips, tips, tips or tools that you use or methods? Uh, okay. So basically everything that, that, that I... It comes down to, to getting everything on my calendar, right? Getting everything on my calendar and sticking to the time slots that are allocated to it. Um, so I'm very, whenever something happens, I really try to put it on the agenda straight away. Even if it's, even if it's jogging, I allocate time for jogging or for working out or for hiking. Even hanging out with friends, I put it on my agenda. I just like to be very organized in that sense because that is how I give structure to my life. That's how I cope with the chaos. Um, mm. And that is how, yeah, how I give a framework to, to my actions and make sure that I do things efficiently as well. Yeah. I think that's the routine within the chaos that makes sure that you make the best of the time but still can, you know, withstand the chaos and go from environment to environment. Now, you build yeah. up your community in a couple of months to a lot of members. Um, how did you build your community so fast? Haha, <laughs> the million dollar question. Uh, um, so how, how did... It comes down to consistently showing up with, with value every day. And since this is the habit bootcamp, um, let's speak about habits. So mm -hmm. what I try to do is I try to become part of people's habits by showing up at the same time every day with an mm. interview live in my group. People know that around 6 p.m. Belgium time, there is an interview that's going to happen live in my group and they're all tuning in because they know that I'm going to show up with value. They know that I'm going to show up with something that they want to learn about. So they come to my group every day. I give them a reason to, to return to my group every day because it's filled with value. It's filled with things that they want to learn and, and with other people that they want to connect to. Um, so in the beginning, of course, this is, is, it's difficult. Um, you have to put in the number of hours that other people are not willing to put into it. Uh, there's so much noise on the internet that it's easy to get lost in, in the crowd. It's easy. Yeah, like yesterday I posted a post like, guys, please put the links of your Facebook groups down here. And there were like 200 people posting. Imagine there's so many Facebook groups out there. So you really need to stand out. You need to differentiate yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to put in more work than the other people are putting in. Uh, sounds kind of Gary, Feiner, Chuckish, but mm -hmm. it is true. Um, at least, especially in the beginning, when you're trying to establish yourself, differentiate, get momentum, you need to just put in the work. How I, how I have all my content sorted and my ideas is because I structured it and I, all the elements from a book that I could use to use as content for videos or interactions, I've noted the time and structured it. When you ask questions in your group or use memes or you know, want to involve people, is it just spontaneous what you think of the day, uh, the day itself or do you think of it in advance like a week, like, okay, this is going to be my content upcoming week? 
Okay, I've, I've got a kind of a structure. So I've got team days every, for example, Monday is like Marketplace Monday where people can promote their stuff. Mm. Uh, Tuesday is Nomadic Tuesday where we speak about digital nomad stuff. Um, Thursday is Turbo Networking Thursday where we you know, connect on LinkedIn, Instagram, those kind of things. But in between, I also have like ad hoc posts where... Mm. I'm just walking on the street or I'm reading a book or I'm listening to an interview and I just hear something that makes a lot of sense, which I think has value to my community. And I make a post out of that because I learned something and I want to share it with my community because I know that they've got value. They will get value out of it. And that is what I've been doing over the past three months. And, and that is how people get value from me because I share what I learned. I've tried things, I've implemented things, I've failed, I succeeded. And I shared it. I'm very transparent. I shared it with my group and they like it. And the people just asked to join or was it through also networking in another group or was it because you interview so many people and then they share it and then they also want to be involved in the group? Mm, in the beginning, it was a lot of networking. Mm. It was a lot of being active in other groups. Uh, but once you hit 1000 members, something magically starts to happen. Facebook starts to promote you. Um, as a suggested Facebook group and other groups. And from that point, I got like 30 members organically every day. And once you grow, once there's more engagement in your group, then the Facebook algorithm starts promoting you even more and more and more. So right now I'm on 200 members organically every day. And I'm just driving engagement in my group because that is what makes the Facebook algorithm understand that something magically is happening within the group and they need to promote this to more people. My group is about 1,500 people, but I make it a closed group. Would you advise to make groups like open groups and then just ask selection questions or? No, 100% closed. Mm. Um, it just, otherwise there's no reason for people to join mm -hmm. uh, if they can already see the content when it's open. So you make it closed, you make a nice cover photo where people get an understanding of uh, what's going on within the group. You give a description telling them what's going on, what they can expect. And then, yeah, once they're inside, they need to be amazed by, by the value that's on your timeline and they need to understand within 10 minutes that this is a group that they want to return to every day to, to check out if they've missed anything. Of all the people that you interviewed the, the last months, what is some great advice that, that you've gotten? Like, whoa, this is really useful. It doesn't have to be about being a digital nomad, but in general, that you think like, whoa, this is something that really resonated and was useful uh let me think about all the people that i interviewed those were a lot i think mm -hmm. um who did i interview this week <laughs> <laughs> um no okay the, the the thing that that resonates not really resonates but the thing that that amazed me the most is that Everyone that I interviewed followed a similar pattern in their journey. A journey where they all were walking around or, or were running around like headless chickens, trying out so many different things at the same time, running into the same wall. Mm -hmm. They did not make it happen. And the way that they made it happen was by focusing on doing one thing and doing one thing really mm -hmm. well and putting all your time and effort into doing that one thing until you succeed. And that is what separates people from achieving their goals from not achieving their goals. There's so many distractions out there and you need to filter out the distractions and focus.
Yeah, it's such a distract. It, it, it's an advantage because without social media, there's the nomads would have it a lot more difficult to reach the right people, but there's also a lot more competition. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Now, one question that I have is, how do you handle Wi-Fi? I feel sometimes Wi-Fi that you don't see enough, like is the Wi-Fi strong enough to have an interview or have a coaching session? How important is Wi-Fi if you do interviews or run a coaching business online where you work one-on-one digitally? It's, it's very important, but I never really have big issues with, with Wi-Fi. There's always a co-working space. There's always a Starbucks, a coffee shop. I always also, I nearly almost always get a local SIM card where you can just have internet for 10 or 20 bucks uh, a month. Um, there's hotel lobbies where you can get internet. It's not difficult at all. It's crucial, but for me so far, it has not been a, a problem. Do you check it in advance then that you go in the lobby and check it or that it has to be a minimum kind of internet speed or? If, if I go to a unknown area, um, I just check if there's coffee shops nearby so that if I do an interview, I have Wi-Fi and I go there 30 minutes in advance to, to be sure that I've got good Wi-Fi and that I can go to the next coffee shop if, if the Wi-Fi there isn't suitable enough. Mm-hmm. I always like to talk about the successes of people, but also a bit about the things that people are still struggling with. Is there one thing that right now in your life you're still struggling with or that's still hard to do? Yeah, I think I haven't yet found the optimal balance between work and life because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very easy, especially when I'm running a Facebook group, like my work is being on Facebook. If I open Facebook, I get dragged into a rabbit hole and suddenly people start messaging me. Then I, then they start replying to my comments and it's just easy to get dragged into this hole. Even before I go to bed and quickly open Facebook, I get sucked into a hole. And yeah, no, for me, it's still a matter of figuring that out. So maybe, um, even though social media is my work, I need to spend less time on social media. Yeah, one thing that I do is to have a shutdown complete time that, you know, I use that tool that I can't check it anymore and that I have like a bright line like, okay, then it's done only in emergencies because else it's ping, 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 ping. What's this? What's this? It's something new. And I'm so stimulated that I can't relax and go to sleep. That's also maybe one thing when you plan and take action all the time. It can also be like a risk to have a, I know also a lot of entrepreneurs who burned themselves out because they didn't, they didn't chill and shut their brain off. So there's value in hard work, but I feel there's also value in just listening to your body sometimes and finding like a, a dynamic balance, as I call it. I agree. Now you talked a bit about habits. Uh, how important are habits uh, for you as a digital nomad? Um, so being a digital nomad, yeah, it's a lot about being in chaotic situations, right? There's, Mm -hmm. there's little, little consistency, little stability. So you cannot control those external factors. What you can control is your internal factors, your mindset and your habits. So yeah, doing things consistently and, and making sure that you've got your right habits in place, make sure that you kind of can counter counter the, the, the chaos that is happening in your life. Um, so I always like to, to focus on the things that I can control. And those are, yeah, your habits and your mindset. So in that sense, it's super important. It's super relevant. 
and digital nomads need to really focus on, on, on that. Is there any daily or weekly habit or something you regularly try to do to, uh, to have more balance? Um, right now I'm very much focused on doing few hours of work in the morning, doing a few hours of work end of the afternoon and forcing myself not to work uh, from noon to 2, 3 p.m. and not in the evening as well. So I'm, I'm, right now I'm trying to trim down on the number of hours that I'm working and I'm, I'm holding, I've, I have people around me that hold me accountable for that. We're doing like a challenge together. Um, other habits is I always set myself the goal that every day I'm going to do some exercise, whether that's going on a big, mm -hmm. like just walk through the city or jog along the beach or pedal boarding or, or yoga, meditation. I always need to do some kind of physical or mental uh, exercise every day. Besides the um, not checking social media uh, late at night, is there any other good habit that you did in the past that you would still like to pick up again? Mm. Yeah, journaling. Um, I, like four months ago, I did one month of, of journaling, mm -hmm. like at the end of every day, before I went to bed, I always wrote to myself, like, what are one to three things that went really well today what are one to three things that went that didn't go as well and what is my goal for tomorrow so this worked super well um only after a while i got sloppy it was like one time i didn't do my journal then the next day i had an excuse ah, if i if i didn't do it yesterday then probably it doesn't matter if i don't do it today and suddenly i lost the habit um, but journaling it's super important it's it's Reflection is the key to self-improvement and it's important to continuously reflect and if you've got some kind of routine or pattern or habit to do so, uh, you can accelerate your, your self-improvement, definitely. We talked about the beginning, you did uh, business administration, the engineering that you stopped and then you on entrepreneurship developed and you interviewed people and developed more expertise about being a digital nomad. What are you most excited about right now? You had that, that big goal. Are you developing a course right now, coaching people or setting up? You did a summit recently, I think. So what are some things that you're developing and are most excited about right now? So I just launched, uh, yeah, that's right. So I did a summit uh, six weeks ago. I launched two products over the past two weeks. Uh, my coaching uh, students are starting to increase pretty fast as well. So right now it's 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 a matter of scaling up my business. So the foundation is is laid out. Um, there's a lot of potential. The community's built up. I've built my audience even before I've built my products. So now it's it's a matter of uh, making products that are suitable to solve their problems. Um, and it's a matter of scaling that up. It's a matter of putting in the time and effort, laying the foundation, slowly hiring a team, and making that happen. Mm. How much should you outsource as a digital nomad, you feel? How should you scale your business? So I haven't started outsourcing yet. To this point, I, I just hired a girl on my team. Uh, she's taking care of 
a lot of the copywriting and, and email. Um, but as a digital nomad, I would say that you need to work smarter, not harder. Um, you can probably outsource 80 to 90% of the things that, that you're doing on a daily basis. If you're able to systemize them correctly, write down all the steps um, and explain this in a video to a virtual system, literally give them a walkthrough. If you can do this, then probably another person can do it too if it doesn't require uh, your, your personal presence or some kind of extreme form of creativity or something. Um, so yeah, I think 90% of the work or 80% of the work can be outsourced. And I know people that do this, I interview them every day in my group. Um, yeah, that is a way to, uh, to scale up as a digital moment. Do you have any advice on, on, on what kind of niches or how people should, should start off? Should they best start with coaching or start with a Facebook group or just make a blog or develop products? Are there some things, do's and don'ts in the beginning of being a digital nomad and setting up your business online and being a digital nomad? Well, there's definitely a big don't. The big don't is don't um, get enticed into following the newest shiny objects, such as I get messages every day from people saying, hey, shall I learn drop shipping? Because I know that a lot of people are making a ton of money with drop shipping. Um, but then three days later, they're like, oh, by the way, shall I learn affiliate marketing because you don't need to have an inventory and I can earn mm -hmm. money very quickly, very easily. Um, so don't always chase the newest thing. Stick with something. Um, how to pick a niche? I would say choose something that you are generally passionate about. Um, choose something that or, or people, a group of people that, that you can relate to, that you really like working with, understand their problems, their desires, their pain points, and make a product that is aligned with that. And don't just make your money because you think, don't just make a product or service because you think it will earn you a shit ton of money. Because if you're chasing uh, that money, then it will never be a successful product or service. That is, rarely people have been successful by just doing that. Start with your with your ideal customer in mind or with a problem, and then try to provide people with value and, and a solution. Now, before we delve into the concluding questions, is there anything that you would still like to share that we haven't talked about? Um, are you okay with me sharing my group? Yeah, sure, and I'm gonna share it in the links, but yeah, sure. Cool, cool. So um, if any of you guys have checked out this, this interview is interested in, in becoming a digital nomad or connecting with other digital nomads, uh, yeah, four months ago, I started this Facebook group called the Digital Nomad Accelerator. Uh, we grew from zero to nearly 10,000 members. Uh, we're going to hit 10,000 early next week. Um, and if you want to learn about becoming a digital nomad, there's a bunch of free trainings, free interviews in the group as well. Um, so be sure to check it out if you're interested and otherwise reach out to me to connect at any time. Always happy to, to help support and connect with people. What are some, uh, books, resources, or mentors, if you should name a couple that could be really useful if people want to become a digital nomad besides your group? Yeah, I would say, um, 
the four-hour work week is a must. For me, it's, it was the gateway to understanding how digital nomads are able to live the digital nomad lifestyle. Um, it just shows that the way how people have been taught by society, what success is, what path they should follow is, is not the only path. There's alternative paths, there's ways to become a digital nomad. And he breaks down a very interesting um, alternative route for people that want to travel, that want to run their business from anywhere in the world. And yeah, it's just a very inspiring book. It's a very thick book. I, I would recommend, if you're not a, a huge fan of reading, to, to read the audio book. I think it's even online on, on YouTube if you want to mm -hmm. listen to it. Um, but it's a definite must. If you would be on a, stranded on a beautiful island, it has Wi-Fi, you can still work, but you would be stuck there for a while and you could take three things with you. What are those three things that you would definitely take with you? Did you say it has Wi-Fi? It has Wi-Fi and you have your laptop, so you can work. That's there, but you can take three other things. Uh, <laughs> very interesting question. So I, I already have my laptop. Yeah, you have your laptop, you have Wi-Fi, you can work there, but there's three other things that you can take, and that's just it. Okay, um, I would bring two cows and a barbecue. Shouldn't you take a bull and a cow? I don't know. I think a bull and a cow would be a better option, but. <laughs> a bull and a cow, exactly. Then I've got an infinite resource of, of beef. What are some people you, you really look up to and what are the reasons you really look up to them? Um, so yeah, for me, it is Tim Ferriss, I think. Uh, that's the author of the book that I just mentioned for our work week. Uh, for me, he's just a, a very inspirational person because he takes things to the extreme. He, he experiments with a bunch of different things. He challenges the status quo and um he finds alternative paths to almost everything whether it's becoming world champion in, in kickboxing whether it's uh health and fitness whether it's mindfulness he just has very interesting techniques very interesting shortcuts and and views on on how to do things so the way that he challenges things i want to challenge a lot of things as well, experiment with a lot of things and share my experiences with other people so that I can help them and inspire them to do things differently than they might have been doing right now. Suppose a guy like little Mitchell, like 18 years old, is sitting in school and thinking like, hmm, you know, this is not for me and maybe I want to do something else and he's doubting himself and he's feeling a little bit depressed. What would be, in a few sentences, some things you would say to a guy or a girl who is going through that kind of phase in life so what, what i would tell them what i would tell my 18 year old version or someone else i would tell them that to basically don't be afraid to take risk don't be afraid to to fail because by making wrong choices you also learn what not to do in life like this second bachelor degree that i did it wasn't necessary but i learned from it i i, I made a lot of mistakes i made a lot of wrong decisions 
but the result is that I really know what I want in life right now. And that wouldn't have been possible if I would not have taken any risks or if I would not have taken those decisions. Last question. What is a meaningful and fulfilling life for you? For me personally, it's the ability to impact other people's lives and to help them achieve their goals in life as well. Um, for me, it's not about earning a shit ton of money. It's about being able to make an impact on the world, on other people. Um, so if, I, or if I'm able to achieve that in any extent, um, that is what would make me very fulfilled in life. Mitchell, I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge and accelerating people, their life, your own life, and being such a great inspiration for other people. Maybe you can just say the name of your group and your name again so people can connect with you on social media and other platforms. Sure, guys. So if you want to connect with me, uh, search on Facebook, Mitchell Wireman, Wireman, W-E-I-J-E-R-M-A-N. And the group is called Digital Nomad Accelerator. So, um, yeah, if you're excited about being a digital nomad, be sure to join the group, connect with me, and excited to potentially have you in there. Thanks for the interview, Mitchell, and keep on thriving in that chaos, man. Wish you all the best. <laughs> I will. Thanks for having me on, man. It was really, really a pleasure.